All right, Jan, it's time to review week at, week 13 of the NFL season. It's I, I, I feel like I was going to be like, I don't even know what week it is because of COVID, but I think I never know what week it is in the NFL, so that's not really an excuse. But it was week 13, uh, and uh, update, we both killed it this weekend. We both went 5-3 and three on our picks, so well done by both of us. You're 27 and 32 now. I'm 34 and 25, but I would say that's our, our best collective week yet. Yeah, considering that some of the results, I'm surprised. That's good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I know. We, we killed it. Go go Jets in Washington, baby. Come on. <laughs> All right, but uh, we're going to go over the action. It's going to be a pretty quick fire kind of recap of the week. We'll go over each game that the other person picked, and then, of course, we'll go over our game of the week together. I'll start us off. I'll start with my pack. Packers got it done against Philly, 30-16. Pass rush and rushing game were, were really on point for the Packers. Five sacks for the defense, 130 yards from Aaron Jones, and – Let's talk quarterback play. Aaron Aaron Rodgers is looking like classic number 12. He's looking in MVP form. He's as hot as he's ever been. And I have to say, damn good job by Jalen Hurts. I I was ripping on him last week. And I think, you know, it is a little easier to come in in relief at times. Sometimes the defense isn't ready for you. He certainly is going to get tested this week as he's been announced the starter against the New Orleans Saints defense, which has been extremely stout recently. But uh, I was really impressed by Jalen Hurts, and, and I'm excited to see what he, he can do for him, especially for an offensive line that can't block. Having a guy that can run around like that, I think, m- makes a, a big difference for, for Philly. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, I didn't know. I thought it was going to be more of the same uh, about Carson Wentz. But, uh, you know, Jalen looked good, and that's the end of Carson Wentz, you know, in the in this season and probably for the rest of it. So, it, you know, it, it's definitely some questions. But I agree. Aaron Rodgers doing great. Good to see him. You know, he's got to be in the MVP conversation at this point. Come on, guys. All right. I'm going to talk about my Pats then. Patrick's, Patriots playing the Chargers. You know how we talked about it. Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. It never goes well. We said it. This one. It was 45 to 0. We shut him out. We played great. And you know what was the best thing? Like, we played our running game, which was great. Cam Newton threw for 69 yards, and that's all he needs to throw for. He doesn't need to throw for more. That's all you got to do. Um, but really, it was classic defense special teams getting it done for a Bill Belichick-led team. We had three sacks, 11 QB hits, two interceptions. J.C. Jackson get another one. A punt return touchdown. A perfect kicking by Nick Falk. A block field goal return by Devin McCourty. It was Christmas season for the Patriots this weekend. It was great. Patriots are now 6-6, six and six, and they're exactly where they needed to be, right? Now they have the chance to make the playoffs. They don't, they don't have a great chance but they have a chance. They play the Rams this Thursday, and if they win that game, then they're in the conversation because they play the Dolphins and Jets in two of their last three games. They're in the they're they're in it. So they just need to beat the Rams. They have to win out, granted, but like they they needed to show that they can continue to win, and they have continued to do that. Uh, and charges are out, but that's what happens when you play Bill Belichick with a rookie QB. Yeah, I I've been seeing like Anthony Lynn being on the hot seat, and I can't I don't really understand why because he he took over like the team was had the sixth worst worst record last year like I what were they gonna get Justin Herbert and immediately turn around but this really was the most Bill Belichick game special teams and dominance on a rookie quarterback like that's that's the the perfect formula for Bill Belichick and the, the Pats are right in the the playoff race I should have said the Packers are have a great chance to get the one seed but uh 
we're going to get it. So there's no reason to talk about it. I will move on. Hey. I already mentioned I already mentioned the Saints defense. Uh, I need the Saints to lose to get that one seed. But Saints 21, Falcons 16, Taysom Hill, pretty darn serviceable so far as the starting quarterback and certainly kind of brings a different dynamic to that offense with his ability to, to run and uh, even just do the read option as, as far and, and scramble as well. But already mentioned the New Orleans D, and, and that's really what the, the topic of conversation needs to be around New Orleans right now. The defense has been the most dominant defense over the last month. I think they're giving up like just over 10 points per game. Cam Jordan and the boys are, are just playing just great defense. And, and if they keep defense up like that, even when Drew Brees comes back, he's, he's not going to have to be the Drew Brees of old that that has been the savior many times. So you you match that defense up with the veteran quarterback and Drew Brees, and, and the Saints are looking like they will be tough in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they're going to be tough. they got a great defense, have been so consistent. I mean, they're about to make Jalen Hurts run back to college football after this next week. Uh, it's going to be real, real hard to watch his first start be against the Saints D. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just a, you know, testament to Sean Payton where he's got Drew Brees, he's got Michael Thomas. And the best part about his team is the defense. So I think that's a testament to him as a coach. Definitely uh, somebody who deserves at least a mention for coach of the year. Uh, let's go to the AFC North battle between two teams that aren't going to worry the Packers. It's the Lions and the Bears. Uh, the Bears. Oh boy, the Bears, the Bears. They had a 10-point lead with three minutes left. Mitchell Trubisky starting the game, and they let in two touchdowns to lose, 34-30. to uh, It was a mostly running back game. Adrian Peterson had two scores, which was pretty cool. That hasn't happened in a while, so good for him. But really, it was, just about, it. It was just about... Love it, love it, right? And it was just about uh, Matthew Stafford versus Trubisky, and it wasn't close. You know, Matthew Stafford, 402 yards and three touchdowns. Trubisky, only one. He didn't play terrible, but he's an average QB, and you know where they drafted him was not an average QB land. You know, that's like just the truth of it. They drafted him as if he was Patrick Mahomes, and he's not. So uh, He didn't, you know, he the didn't play terrible point- until he had the most Mitch Trubisky play of all time and fumbled it in his own 20-yard line with like less than two minutes. It was He gave the game up, and it was the most Mitch Trubisky thing ever. And, and, and I think that's why he gets so much flack. Like, he's got the talent to do a lot of stuff, but then he makes a play like that that literally gives the win to the Lions. Right, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, both of these teams are kind of, eh, you know, the Bear, they're both five and seven. You know, the, the only reason we're shitting on the Bears more is because they had that start and then gave it all up, you know, gave up everything that they had. Uh, you know, they sit in ninth and 10th respectively in the wild card race. They're only one game off of the Vikings in the seventh seed. But let's be honest, these teams aren't going anywhere. Yeah, that that hot seat in Chicago has to be real hot. If if Matt Nagy is is there at the end of the season, I will be shocked. Uh, shocked. I'm going to go over to the the Dolphins, Bengals, Dolphins 19, Bengals seven. Honestly, not much to say about this game. It was you know the Dolphins had to win this game uh, certainly to to stay in the playoff race. It was it was a pretty underwhelming performance. Only only beating Cincinnati, especially without Joe Burrow by 12. Tua came back with, from that uh, the thumb injury and, and did throw for just under 300 yards, but it it just wasn't it wasn't kind of the performance I think Miami wanted to see, especially because they're eight and four, they're in the playoffs right now, but their final four games are the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. That is not an easy path. I mean, there, there's a great chance Miami's going to go zero and four in those last four games, so it's going to be a real true test for for Tua and this team. Uh, you know, if they miss out on the playoffs, I don't think it's a disappointing season. Like, 
I was just saying how the Chargers, you know, had the sixth worst record. The Dolphins had the fifth worst record last year. So it is a team that's on the come up. I think even if they finish eight and eight, it has been a, a pretty good step forward for Miami. Um, but uh, this is going to, you know, this final four weeks, this stretch is, is going to tell us how far they've come and how far they, they need to go. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, we talked about rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. They got to play the Patriots. You know, Bill Belichick's gotten something dialed up for Tua and it's not going to be pretty. Uh, let's stay in the AFC East. Uh, the Jets versus the Raiders. I almost lost my money here. I should have lost my money here. Um, the Jets won this game, right? I mean, they did. I don't know what happened, but it's basically like the Jets won this game and then said, okay, but we can't win because we need Trevor. So here's the win. But we won technically, but like here's the win uh, like on the score sheet. Uh, it, it was, it was just the most Jets thing to happen. And you know what sucks? The Jets offense didn't look bad. Sam Darnold had two touchdowns in his return. Ty Johnson, 104 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Jamison Crowder, two touchdown catches. And, and, and the Raiders didn't look great. You know, Darren Waller had a crazy game. He had like 13 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. It was ridiculous. He murdered me. Oh, he murdered you. I'm so sorry. I knew someone played him and probably got murdered. Dude, I lost this week, and it was literally just because of him and Devontae Adams. He had 47. Devontae Adams had 35. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. That's me and Tyreek a couple weeks ago. It's rough when that happens. All right, but Raiders shouldn't have won that game. They were down by four, but on the last play, Derek Carr gets blitzed, and he throws a 46-yard strike to rookie receiver Henry Ruggs. And when I say he got blitzed, he didn't get blitz. He was an engage eight blitz. It was all out. We're just on the goal line, right, guys? I mean, they're so bad that Greg Williams got fired the next day. That's how bad that play was. I've never seen a play get a coach fired before. I've seen a couple plays, but a play? Oh, my goodness. It was the saddest thing. Jets are still 0-12. They remain in top spot for Trevor. And uh, Raiders was a really important win because they're still 7-5. and Otherwise, the Ravens and the Patriots are right there with them. And then the next couple of weeks become a little more interesting. Uh, they still kind of hold their own uh, fate in their hands for now. Uh, they voted damaging playoff spot loss, but uh, oh boy, poor Jets. Dude, I almost feel like Greg Williams is like, you know, I'm sick of this job. And there were so many people that were like defending Greg Williams and being like, well, that's what Greg Williams does. Like Greg Williams blitz people and all this stuff. I'm pretty sure Greg Williams has a prevent defense somewhere in that playbook. They were up by four. Like all you needed to do, you could have put your entire defense at the one yard line and and that would have been sufficient because it didn't matter how many yards they got as long as you didn't let them get in the end zone. And it was, like you said, it was just the most Jets thing ever. And uh, hell, good play by Henry Ruggs though. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go talk about an NFC North team. You already mentioned the Vikings 27 to 24 in overtime over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Minnesota has to be the most confounding team in the NFL. They they winning they win in Green Bay and then they lose at home to Dallas and then this week they get a home game against the Jags and just squeak it out in overtime. Uh, perhaps it, it really is just like epitomizes the the inconsistent play of Kirk Cousins. I know teams many times uh, replicate their their quarterbacks, but the thing with the Vikings is I, I truly think they can beat anyone and probably be beat by anyone. Uh, as we saw this weekend, they 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 almost just like play to their competition where. If they get in the playoffs as a seven seed, I think they could pull off an upset. But they also like they almost just lost to the Jags and they lost to the Cowboys, who we see are extremely hapless. So it's not a great sign in Minnesota for that. 
Uh, we'll see if they're able to squeak into the, the playoffs. Meanwhile, are the Jacksonville Jaguars the best 1-11 team ever? Because they give almost every team every team a game. Like, they are in, like, more games than not. And I don't think I've ever seen a team have such a bad record and be in so many games. Like, the Jets have gotten their ass whooped more times than not. The Jags were battling with the Packers the other week. They probably should have won this game in Minnesota. Like, it, it's kind of impressive with what uh, Jacksonville's doing. Yeah, I mean, their defense isn't awful. They, I mean, they got a thousand yard running back. They have decent weapons on the outside. They have a decent coach. There's a reason why Doug Marone, no one's saying like he should get fired. It's because it's not, you know, it's just, they're not there yet. But I mean, if Doug Marone got fired, wow, I would want to be in Jacksonville. They're going to have Justin Fields and James Robinson. That's ridiculous. They're going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's only one other team that I would rather be in that position, and I'm going to go to them right now. You want to talk about another confounding team, though? Let's go talk about the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, they have, you know, they 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 get a loss last week, and it looks like their defense is crap. And this this week, their defense goes in, and and they absolutely hound Deshaun Watson for the 26 to 20 win. Granted, they played the Texans, and the Texans are also one of those teams where it's like. Yeah, but they're playing without DeAndre Hopkins and they're playing without Will Fuller. And it's like, you should beat them. But also Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. Like he's shown that he's kind of matchup proof. Um, you know, uh, some good storylines from this though. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, eight receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown. Good to see T.Y. back in the kind of a good uh, position for him. Love T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Kiki, Q- Kiki QT stepping up in Will Fuller's absence with 141 yards in the air, but it's really the Colts defense. That's the story of this one. They dominate in the second half, only allow 10 points. They sacked him five different times between Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner. So really the defense showing their, their str- swagger again, Colts eight and four, you know, they're down on record because of that tiebreaker loss to the Titans, but they're still in the seventh seed one game above the Raiders and the Ravens. Meanwhile, the Texans, they're eliminated, but Deshaun's amazing, and they got good receivers. And if you're a head coach, that's where you go. That's where you go. They're going to get Jalen Waddle, and they're going to be su- they're going to be stacked. Yeah, I mean, how would how would you not want to like have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback? I'm I'm not going. I'm gonna I'm never gonna stop saying Houston, go get Eric Bieniemy until they hire Eric Bieniemy because it, him and Deshaun Watson are the most perfect marriage in the freaking world. Like it, the offense is going to be beautiful with those guys together uh i'll talk about eric Bieniemy's team the chiefs 22 broncos 16 a little bit of an off day for the chiefs but is anyone really worried like we know who this team is and, and as long as patrick mahomes is under center they're they're the best team in the league they just are uh Le'Veon bell hasn't really improved the run game quite as much as, as they might have hoped but Bieniemy, andy Reid, and mahomes they kind of supplement that lack of a, of a running game with those short passing game and and it gets you know Patty just even more hot. And when you got guys like Tyreek Hill that can make a play out of nothing, you don't really need that much of a running game. So not a great, you know, performance by KC, but we know when it matters most, KC is going to be putting their best foot forward. And, you know, division win against a rival against a rival is is a division win against a rival. They're, a lot of times they're closer than than we may expect, but a win's a win for the Chiefs and with the Steelers loss now possibly getting that number one seed, the Steelers still have the, the tiebreaker, but uh, in a better position now to get that overall one seed in, in the AFC. 
Right. Anyone that has anything bad to say about the Chiefs is ridiculous. I mean, you saw what they did last week before this. Like, come on. All right. Let's move on to an upset alert. It was the Giants against the Seahawks, and the Seahawks fell to a 17 to 12 loss. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, they did. And let me tell you, the Giants defense, uh, as, as Mike Greenberg says, they're the goods. They're the goods. I mean, they held DJ, DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson in check all game. And, uh, you know, they held them to 12 points in a high-octane offense and uh, just shows that they, they might actually be legit. They might actually give a team uh, some trouble in the playoffs. Uh, meanwhile, Colt McCoy, good to see him back on the field. Uh, he did adequately for them. Uh, Wayne Gallman, 135 yards on the ground. Alfred Morris with two scores. Everybody's coming back to play for the Giants. Everyone is coming back. It's so great. Alfred Morris and Colt McCoy, the Washington team of old, they're playing with the Giants now. It's so funny to watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Giants moved to five and seven. They lead the NFC East, tied on record with Washington. I think they probably win it. They got a great defense. And uh, as, as long as Daniel Jones comes back, I think they got a good chance. Uh, meanwhile, Seahawks dropped to eight and four. They lose the lead in the NFC West. They're still tied on record with the Rams, but luckily for them, they played the Jets and Washington before ending with the Rams and the 49ers. So they should still have two more wins on their way to be at least 10 uh, before those divisional important games at the end of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I was shocked by that score. I, yeah. I think that, I think that's the, the upset of the year. And, and we, I mean, we talked about the, the deficiencies that Seattle has, but man, they, they were shown through that day when, when Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris are, are leading the way. And, and to be fair, I think it was, as you said, more, more to the, to the giants defense, Leonard Williams, has been an absolute monster on the line. He, he's been, you know, what the Jets hoped he was going to be when they drafted him. And James Bradbury, I mean, he might be the best cornerback in in the league this year. He's he's been an absolute monster on the left side of that defense. Uh, like everyone was like giving. I'm sure you saw this too of like everyone being like, "Oh, did you see DK Metcalf's stiff arm of Bradbury?" I'm like, what stiff arm? He tackled him. It was an incredible tackle. Like the dude is an absolute gamer. So uh, kind of you know, in a team that. Joe Judge, I don't think is going to get very many head. Like, I don't think he's going to win Coach of the Year. But God, he should be in the conversation uh, because this team. You you lose Saquon Barkley like week two. Even with him, you really weren't supposed to have like that great of the year. And I know that certainly they're in first because Philly and Dallas have been shit shows themselves. But you have to applaud them for like doing that and and, and being in the position that they're at now. And, uh, and and having, you know, right now the lead in the NFC East and, and possibly could win it. Even even if they win it with, a, you know, a losing record, I think it's it's certainly a step in the, the right direction for the New York football giants. And I appreciated the loss. It, it helped put the backers up to, to the two seed. So thanks, Giants. I, I appreciate you. Uh, I'll go to uh, the Bills and the 49ers. It was the Monday night game. Bills 34, 49ers 24. You know, you really have to be impressed by the effort that San Francisco has been giving throughout the season. Like they, they are they are still in the playoff hunt, even though they've been missing basically everyone all year. Like Shanahan and Robert Sala, another coordinator who, if he doesn't get a head coaching job soon, what the hell are y'all doing? He's, in my opinion, the best defensive coordinator in the league right now. Uh, and they both had to be absolutely commended. Uh, but at the end of the day, this was another game about the improvement of Josh Allen and the improvement of the Bills actually getting him weapons. 
Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley are making his life so much easier. He finally has people to throw to. And, you know, you, we can all get into the chicken or egg debate, but every even good quarterback actually needs good people to throw to. And the fact that now he, he's got those guys, actual weapons that will produce for him, it, it, I think he's gotten better himself, but that's also just helping make his life like he can do the job of a quarterback. So he keeps proving, you know, himself. And, and I think it's been a really breakout year for, for Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree. He keeps getting hated on and he keeps improving. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm there with him. You know, I definitely have had my criticisms of him and I've been proven wrong every time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw something that was like, you see the quarterbacks drafted in that class, you know, Baker and and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen and and there's one other uh, Lamar Jackson. It's like how much worse and and Darnold and Darnold. How much worse? How Josh Allen might be the best quarterback in that class. He honestly might be. I mean, no, I know Lamar won the MVP, so he gets the kind of benefit of the doubt. And he had a good game this last one, but like he 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 looks damn good. He looks damn good. I think I think it was Desmond Howard because I'm sure you saw it too with the get out of them like debating it. And uh-huh. I think Desmond Howard kind of makes the good point of the way Josh Allen plays seems more sustainable. Um, yeah. and, and, and like just kind of the, the improvements and the little jumps that he's made. It's, it's a tough decision between him and Lamar. I, I have no idea where I'd go, but they certainly, I mean, I, those guys would go one and two in that draft now. And the fact that Josh Rosen was even in the discussion with them all, it seems insane. Yeah, it's insane. Sometimes you win that draft and sometimes you lose horribly. All right, I'm going to go. You know what? I thought I'm going to save the upset for last. I thought I was going to save this one, but I'm going to save the upset. It's the Rams versus the Cardinals is the one I'm going to go to. NFC West, Titanic Clash, Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins. How is it going to go? Jalen Ramsey won. He held Hopkins to just 52 yards. He did score a touchdown, but on 13 targets and eight receptions, they'll take that. They'll take that all day. Uh, Rams really firing in all cylinders in this one. Goff having over 300 yards. Cam Akers having his most carries of the season, which is dangerous for any team because everybody knows Cam Akers is the best running back out of that out of that trio. So as soon as they give him the keys, he's going to run away with the house. Uh, and I just think that that is going to be something exciting to watch. Meanwhile, Kyler kind of held in check. He had, he did granted he did have three touchdowns in the air, but he only threw for 173 yards and only 15 yards on the ground. So kind of. The defense definitely kept him in check. Aaron Donald with another sack, one behind TJ Watt now. It was really a fourth quarter game. There were five different scores in the fourth quarter in this one. Uh, But the difference was Kyler Murray threw an interception and the Rams took that interception to the house. And that was the real difference in this one. Rams moved to eight and four. They moved into first with the Seahawks loss. Um, In the end of the year, they're going to play the Seahawks and Cardinals, but they also get to play the Jets. Uh, which would be a win. And I think Thursday's game against the Patriots just as important for them. They need to win against the Patriots. They need to. I think that game is a make or break for both of them because they lose to the Patriots and all of a sudden division looks a little weak. Meanwhile, Cardinals are six and six. Can we believe that? Cardinals are six and six. They have the yes, same I record. Can. Wait, they have the same record as the Patriots. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to me. Um, the Pats lost. They lost to the Patriots, actually. It was really, it really hurt them. Um they play the Eagles, which helps them, right? That will get them seven and six. But they play the Giants, they play the Rams, and they play the 49ers. So you know what I think, Matt? They're not making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the Cardinals looked like the 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 uh, like one of the clear teams in the NFC that that wasn't going to make the playoffs. I, I love Kyler Murray, and I think he he's doing a lot of you know great stuff. But I think 
it, it was one of those things where like they were they were getting off to a bit of a hot start and uh it it was gonna get you know tempered a little bit like it, it wasn't gonna keep on going exactly how how they how they were rolling at the time I think for the long term Kyler will probably you know be a good quarterback but it was a team that I I thought it was clear that they would they were going to regress a little bit you know five ten and one last year and three and 13 the year before that that's how they you know got the number one pick overall so it is a team that has more holes and in two like one of their wins against the bills was a game they shouldn't have had like a, a hail mary win is the most lucky victory in in like all of sports so I, I can't say I'm too surprised about them and I I gotta say I, I disagree with with the uh the Rams running game I think the I think keeping it a three-headed monster is the way to go because they're Akers, Daryl Henderson, and uh, Malcolm Brown are all such different running backs that that keeping it at, at, at like a, a rotating door of different guys and, and making that three-headed monster I think makes the running game so much more dangerous. And they we know this with Jared Goff. He needs a running game. He he's, he he can throw the ball well, but only if that play-action pass is working. So without it, he he's not the quarterback that that. He can be when he's got that play action going, but uh, Rams are moving in in the right direction. Kind of a, da- a down year last year after making the Super Bowl um, and kind of getting back to to how they looked the year they they lost to you guys in that Super Bowl. I'll talk about the uh, the Tuesday game now. The Ravens against Dallas. Baltimore wins thirty four to seventeen. The win puts Baltimore kind of back on track, but. It's hard for me to get excited about that victory, honestly. I mean, first off, it's against the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most hapless teams in in the league right now. The running game looked strong, and the defense we know is sharp, but Lamar's passing game wasn't quite quite there. Of course, I I give him the benefit of the doubt. He's dealing with a lot with with COVID and everything. He he probably is not going to be as sharp. And I still think the Ravens will make the playoffs, but but I'm not sure this team's really going to make any noise in the playoffs this year. I, I think... It was a great year last year, but there's, you know, the, the biggest thing I want to say about the Ravens actually is Marshall Yonda, who was one of the great Hawkeye guards and one of the great NFL guards over the last decade and a half. I think I certainly did. And I think the Ravens, I think they underestimated losing him on that line. He had been there for so many years and he was such a great blocker and, and leader of that line that. They're they're missing him offensively on there, and and offensive guard isn't normally a, a position that you think, oh, that that's going to be a big loss. But when it's as impactful as Marshall Yonda was for that offense, it's it's coming back to kind of hurt them. Um, and I think we all know too, they Lamar needs some more weapons. Even if Des Bryant was going to play that game, he, he's not the Des Bryant of old. So it's kind of like Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson can do a lot by himself. So can Josh Allen. They both can do a lot more if you actually give them somebody to throw the ball. So. Ravens get the win. They got a huge game on Monday night that that we'll kind of touch on a little bit later. No, not going to get too in depth on it, but um, we'll see. We'll see. These these next four weeks are big um, to see if they can they can make that playoff push. But even if they do, like I said, I, I'm not sure they're going to be much of a, of a playoff. I don't see a deep playoff run happening from Baltimore. Right. I definitely see the wild card spot still possible because the Raiders are the one that hold it, and with that game against the Jets, I don't trust the Raiders to keep winning. Um, but I, I, but I think that's as far as it goes for them and, and for the Patriots that they make it there. Um, yeah. So let me go to the upset that I was talking about and we called it We, I mean, we didn't call the upset, but we did call, we did call the game being hard. We did call the game being hard. 
It was the Washington football team against. Did we? I thought you were. If I remember, you didn't have as much faith as as I did. But I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I I I don't don't remember not having faith in it. I might be wrong. Also, I don't. I thought the entire time I was hearing things, and I was like, maybe the Washington defense will be hard, and they're going to lose eventually. I think you were the one that made the pick, and maybe were more adamant about it for sure. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely. You know, we we talked about the Steelers not going undefeated. We definitely talked about the Steelers not going undefeated, and and uh, and here it happened. Maybe a little earlier than people expected. Um, you know, there was some scheduling stuff all around, but at the end of the day, you got to win. You got to win, uh, and that's just like in this year. You know, that's what's going to happen sometimes. Obviously, one loss not meaning much to the Steelers, but uh, I think the way that they lost is what concerned me more. I mean, you're not going to win. With 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 Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball fifty three times in a game, that's not how you're going to win. That's not how you're built to win. And you have these great receivers, but that has to be that has to be a little. You have to have a running game. They don't have a running game right now. Granted, J- James Conner has been out the last two games, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it's not like James Conner's Derrick Henry, and like you can't, you don't have anyone behind him. You should have some kind of running game. And with Ben even throwing fifty three passes and completing like thirty three of them or something. They had a terrible drop rate. You had players dropping the ball left and right. Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and and Claypool and James Washington. They're all dropping the ball. Most, they're all dropping the drops, ball, and that's that most was, drops in the league by a mile. Right? Yeah, I think it was like by ten plus or something. It's ridiculous. And yeah, and it, it, it here's the thing. You know what it showed me? I mean, the Washington. Let's talk about Washington. We knew they had a good defense. We know Alex Smith is capable. Obviously, losing the running running back is going to hurt them now. I don't know if they can, you know, make that push they need to to go past the Giants without Antonio Gibson, depending on how long he's out. But uh, good win for them. They're still in the race with the Giants. But you know what it told me? It told me that in a game, everybody was saying, right, that the one quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes if he needs to in the clutch is Ben Roethlisberger. And while I don't think that that's, like, been proven wrong because Ben still can throw a lot – it shows me that, like, yeah, but when Mahomes throws it to players, they catch the ball. And, like, that's <laughs> going to be the difference. I'm sorry. Like, ben Roethlisberger might be able to throw with Patrick Mahomes, but if his boys keep dropping that much, it's not going to matter. <laughs> right, and, like, Claypool's great, but he's young. And and Deontay Johnson's great, but super inconsistent. And Juju's great, but, you know, I my the jury's a little out on him still, unlike how great he is. Uh, so I think... They've got a lot of weapons, but they need to start catching the ball. I don't, I've just never seen such a great team have such an easy problem to fix, you know? Like, it's not like they have some glaring error. They're just not catching the ball. And, and it happened again, and they lost because of it. And honestly, they play the Bills, the Colts, and the Browns in the next four games. So, like, they could easily lose all three of those. Like, they easily. So, like, I don't, I think that loss, you know, I didn't think they were going to go undefeated, but this, the way they lost this game just proved to me, they're not getting the one seed. They're going to have to play someone come first game of the, of the playoffs. And, uh, I still think they can go, they can make a little run, but, uh, they're not better than chiefs. And we knew that, and this proves it, you know, and, and I see them losing at least two more games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think partly, I think Pittsburgh needed to lose a game. I think the whole of defeated season, all that stuff. Like it, it was just getting too much. And, and you know, that as much as anyone of, of just that struggle of, of a team and, and having that hang over your head. I, I remember it even with the Packers when they, 
were uh, after they won the Super Bowl in 2010. I think we went like 13 and now, and, and you can just tell like the games are getting tougher and stuff. So I think the the loss in the end is a beneficial thing. But I agree, man. Like Ben certainly can can throw it with anybody, but 31 drop passes and, and the next highest is 21. That's that's horrendous. And like, it, and it's and it's all of them. Like like you said, there's Juju, there's there's James Washington, there's Deontay, there's Chase Claypool, but all of them are dropping. Eric Ebron, the tight end, can't seem to catch a pass at all. And and like you said, that is that's a pretty simple thing that shouldn't be what like your Achilles heel is. It's it's not you you imagine like that like well it should be an easy fix, but when it's this bad, I don't think it's going to be as easy as, as as you would expect. You know, so we'll see, yeah. we'll see. Uh, and then you know, losing Bud Dupree is not going to make things any easier yeah. for them. As good as T.J. Watt is i mean part of what makes dj watt really good is he's got bud dupree on the other side to to, to rush the passer so it, it helps deal with that offense and that or helps deal with that defense and that pass rush a lot more when when one of your big weapons is is out now um but great win for washington and, and great i mean is there anyone that doesn't love alex smith like it's just oh. awesome seeing him back out there and i mean i love alex smith because he's my brother but um I also love this. I also love this Alex Smith, the Washington Alex Smith, because he uh, is just he's just a great guy, and it's great to see him back playing football. Uh, Jan, let's get to the game of the week: Browns forty-one, Titans thirty-five, but not quite as close as that score probably indicates. Thirty-eight to to seven. Pardon me, not twenty. Thirty-eight to seven lead at half for Cleveland. That helped them see this through pretty easily. Uh, You know, I I think. I'm not going to say that game's an outlier because I think the Browns deserve that win through and through. The Browns and Titans aren't probably going to have as good and as bad quarters and halves as they had that day. Like the, the Browns outscored them 28 to seven in the second quarter. That's probably the best quarter that Cleveland's going to play all year, and probably the worst quarter that the Titans are going to play all year. But nonetheless, it, it's a great it's a great win for Cleveland because it's a big win. They they needed to win against a team that was a legitimate, like a, a strong team. They had one win against a winning team, let alone a, a team that was in a playoff position. Uh, they ran the ball. It opened up the, I mean, Baker's kind of like Jared Goff now. It, he, he he really, he needs kind of that play action passing game to help open up the field for him. And, and running the ball and opening up the play action pass, it, it helped make his life so easy. I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the field because guys were wide open because the play action just opened up everything for him. So well done by the Browns. and. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the big game for the Ravens this weekend. It's it's between Cleveland on Monday night, nine and three Cleveland against the Baltimore Ravens. It's another chance for Cleveland to really make a statement and uh, and show that they're ready to to maybe do something in the playoffs this year. What did you see from from our game of the week? You know what I am done doing, Matthew? I'm done giving the Tennessee Titans any credit ever. I am so sick of it. I I am so sick of it, dude. Like, I feel ya. I am not, like I will not. I will not vouch for them unless they win the Super Bowl. I refuse to put them in the vouch <laughs> they win the Super Bowl. I mean, how can you go from last week's game, A.J. Brown looked like he was untackleable, and Derrick Henry rushed in three different scores, and then this game, Derrick Henry's held the 60 yards on 15 carries, and, and they can't throw the ball at all. Granted, the, the second half, but but whatever. They were down 38-7. to seven. You could... 
look like at that point, it's it doesn't the game was over and done with. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can say, Oh, they, 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 they got to, you know, within eight or whatever, it, or, or within six, but like that last touchdown was scored with four seconds to go. Like it didn't matter. Like, you know, they, the score line only counts in horseshoes. Exactly. And so, you know, good game by Baker Mayfield showed you're right that he can be like a Jared Goff. And, you know, most of the running was done in the second uh, half and Nick Chubb dominant, obviously on the ground. Uh, I think it's really cool that he can keep his like he's performing so well that they're saying maybe we don't start Kareem Hunt. Like, that's amazing to me, like that he's performing that well. Uh, And, you know, good the rushing attack can be like when you got those two guys like run the ball. Those are two great running backs. Right. And then you got the capable receivers, a capable quarterback to do the play action. That's all you need. Kevin Stefanski has got everything he needs. And he's obviously in the coach of the year decision uh, conversation for sure. Um, And yeah, I I just think, though, it had more to say about the Titans, that they can't be trusted, that they can have every good game in the book and they can beat the Colts out. But at the end of the day, they're eight and four. They're only ahead of the Colts. And the only reason they're going to make the playoffs is because their last three games are against the Jags, Lions, and Texans. That's the only reason they're going to look good going into the playoffs. And they might even lose one of those games. You think that, I mean, you think that Deshaun Watson can't go in against that Titans team and scorch them? He absolutely can. You think that, I mean... Matthew Stafford can't score. They can. So like they can win against every team and they can lose against every team. I'm not playing. If you're listening to me and you're placing money, never place money for or against the Tennessee Titans. You're going to lose it. Either way, you're going to lose that money. Do not do it. Um, Meanwhile, the Browns nine and three really good. Obviously they'd be higher if they weren't in the same division as, you know, Patrick Mahomes. They, I mean, I mean not Patrick Mahomes, sorry. If they were in the same division as the Steelers. Um, but at the same time, three of their last four games, Ravens, Giants, Steelers, and Ravens might not look dangerous, but Ravens need a win, which makes them dangerous. So I think they still have some stuff to prove. We'll see where they end up, but great game to build on. Uh, I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield. I'm not, not saying that he's not good. I think he did what he needed to do. People are overblowing the four touchdown thing a little bit but yeah I just it said more about the Titans to me yeah I mean I think like the four touchdowns to me from Baker was like it was it was the perfect game plan it wasn't it wasn't him being putting on a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers performance and you know I've 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 said this a lot this all year like all year that's not who Baker Mayfield's gonna be and and that's not who Cleveland needs to ask him to be and I think it was a is a terrific game plan by Stefanski I agree i I I think he might be my favorite right now for coach of the year, uh, especially from seeing what that offense was last year, like his his control of the game plans now and, and and understanding what he has at quarterback and how he can make him successful. Like Baker can be successful if you put him in the right spot. And and that's what they did. And totally agree with the Titans. Any anytime they seem like they're getting any sort of momentum, it like comes back to earth. And and I think, you know, they had a great playoff run last last year, but I think people put a little too much currency on that run. You know, the, that Patriots team was struggling a bit. The the Ravens, I think it was just a, a beautiful, perfectly executed game by the Titans. And the Ravens had a lot of miscues in that upset where, like, people were like, oh, Titans are really good. The Titans were 9-7 and seven last year. Like, they, they were still a pretty average team. And, and I think we we all kind of gave a, a little too much uh, weight to to that playoff run. But an exciting week. We did, like I said, we did well in picking games. For like the first time ever, we both did well. So I, I think I legitimately think that's the first time both of us have been over 500 when choosing games. Usually it's one or the other. So well done by us, Jan. Love that for us. Love that for us. Love that for us. 
All right. Now that we've talked NFL, we've talked Formula One, soccer, all the other big news from the sports world, let's get on down to our cool down section. And uh, the first thing we'll be talking about, Jan, is we're going over to the reading nook. Why don't you give our our listeners a a book to recommend, something that you've read recently or, you know, something that's uh, poignant to the, the current times? Yeah, well, I picked poignant to the current time. Like, uh, you didn't have that written down in the notes, but that's exactly what I did. I did poignant to the current time. One brain, man. One brain. Uh, you guys don't know this because why would you? But anytime me and Matt are scheduling our podcasts, literally, we, we're always like, you mind if we wait? And he goes, dude, I have no time. To, I, I am also waiting. So <laughs> you are literally, literally just sending you the text to see if we can hold off for 50 minutes oh, <laughs> without shit. fail. Without fail. All right. Well, the book that I picked, it's a great one. It's a classic one. You've probably heard it before, but I'm here to give it another gold star. It's The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a great book. It's it's basically labeled as a practice guide to personal freedoms. Um, it's a little spiritual, but it's not too religious or anything like that. Really what it is, it's like it leads you through everyday habits and thought patterns that you have and kind of shows you a path to what true happiness in yourself can be, you know, like how to focus on yourself and not on the thoughts and actions of others and how to create truth in your own life and create good habits or break old ones that you've built up. And I think it's just such a good book to read, especially in this age of social media, where we base all of our worth on the opinions of others rather than the growth of ourselves. I just think that this book, I mean, the tenants that they have, like, you know, be impeccable with your word, only say the things that you really mean, you know, it has like, don't make opinions about other people, you don't know them, right? You can't assume what they're thinking, because you don't know who they are, like all these things that are just so simple. But if you really think about it could make you so happy, if you just don't focus on them or focus more on them. And I just think it's such a great book. There's another one called The Fifth Agreement that I'm about to start reading. Uh, that has is written by the same guy. Really excited, but yeah, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Really important in these times to you know keep a clear head and keep yourself focused on the right path. Yeah, that's a that's a book I've heard a decent decent amount about, and um, is certainly one I I need to read. And and I think you know the point you make is is so true. We and not even just social media. I think we we do this as humans where we we like, but we we box people in because we want. It's easier to understand them if, if we're like, oh, that's just who you are. And, you know, as we've talked about a lot in this on our podcast about, you know, Kobe Bryant, Diego Maradona, the, the different, you know, people like people are far more complicated and, and it can be easy to box them in as, you know, if you're in sports, this is how you are. If you're in theater, this is how you are and, and such and such. And, and I think you and me know that even more so true where it's like the people are. People are, are are more than than they may appear at times. So uh, a great recommendation. I I know I certainly need to read it. the uh, The one I'm recommending is called When Pride Still Mattered. It's uh, written by David Marinus. It's a biography on Vince Lombardi, and the title is, is a bit tongue in cheek as Marinus tries to not only tell Lombardi's story but tear down some of the false mythology we've built around not only Vince Lombardi but the early days of football. You know, people think that, that many of the problems in sports now are are modern era problems and, and because of the modern era and that all the old athletes and the coaches were these these perfect individuals that played the game the right way and, and lived their life the right way and everything. And Marinus really challenges that idea head on and breaks down a lot of these these myths that we've built up around Vince Lombardi or Paul Horning or, or a, a number of other people 
while also still giving just a, a wonderfully rich football history. There's there's the start of the book because Lombardi's a New Yorker goes into the depths of New York football through the 20s and 30s, which I knew nothing about. So a, a terrific book that really tells a great history while also challenging the 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 mythology that we build around our heroes. Um, and again, you know, to just reiterate the same point, show that people are are more complicated and more, uh, you know, abstract than than we may think. So uh, when pride still mattered is my recommendation this week. Love that. Yeah, I got to read that book. And uh, I've heard I've heard of it as well. And I and I and I and I'm glad you said that because I've thought about reading it. So that's really good. And you know what, like, I'm thinking about it. That's what this whole podcast is about. Right? It's the the whole and I agree. It's just like, you and I like the things we do in our lives. Neither of us are like in sports writing, though we we, we maybe are one day will be but like, it, it's not like this is what all we do. You know, we talk about it every day. You know, Matt's really into history and I'm really into theater and we're both really into into everything artistic together. And like, and, you know, I think that's just, it's such a simple thing to understand that could cure so much hate in this world. You know, understanding that that people are are everything and not just one thing, you know, and and it's a hard conversation and obviously it's not as easy as that and I wish it was, but um, yeah, yeah. That's all I have to say. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that everyone can think about as we go into a di- difficult time of the year, you know, is, is that people are are more than what you think of them. Yeah, absolutely. And even sometimes, too, that we, you yourself are, are more than we give ourselves credit for, too. Like, I, I, think, oh, we, I think we box yeah. ourselves in at times, too, where it's like, ah, oh, I'm I'm this, I'm that. And, then, you know, it's easy to label things because labeling labeling things and labeling people and labeling ourselves makes it all simple, but, uh, you know, give yourself and, and give the world a little more credit because it's, it's not that simple. Uh, man, we just got so deep. deep. So let's, let's go to a fun question I got for you, Jan. This is not a quick fire question. This is just a, a good old fashioned conversation. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving football versus Christmas day basketball. Which do you prefer? Okay. So Here's what I'll say. I didn't get into NBA until about six years ago. So I will say this was a little bit easy for me just because of that. I've always watched, I've been a Patriots fan since I was a kid. So like, I've always watched football more. So Thanksgiving football for sure for me. And also just for me, the the, the tradition of Thanksgiving football. I mean, there's nothing like pre-gaming and post-gaming a big ass meal with some real good football. Like that just to me is such like an enjoyable thing to do. You know, you're like, I'm going to watch some football and I'm going to eat a lot and then I'm going to watch some football. And that is it. And that to me is just like such a nice and I did it with my family always, uh, you know, the four of us. Yeah, it was just like a nice tradition. Uh, I, I will say a little caveat. I think this year I'll pick Christmas Day basketball um, just because, you know, Thanksgiving football was kind of ruined and and the basketball that's going to be happening Christmas Day is going to be ridiculous. Uh, so I, this year gonna I'll be, pick- that's going to be my argument. There you go. This this year I'll pick it, but uh, if I'm being true to myself, Thanksgiving football. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a win win situation. Neither of them are bad, and I I probably should also give like some love to. I, I love the Martin Luther King Jr. Day NBA action. I, I also think that's pretty fun. But for this discussion, I felt like we had to keep it to to Christmas Day and Thanksgiving. Christmas Day basketball has as actually as much of a history as as NFL. Thanksgiving football. The first Christmas Day game was played in 1947, and they've had games on Christmas Day every year since then, except the uh, 1998 lockout year. 
which uh, barred it from happening. So it really is a, quite as historical. I think it doesn't get as much, you know, of that lore because maybe it's not the same teams. But that's part of the reason I like it. The Detroit Lions are ass. The Dallas Cowboys are, for the most part in our lifetime, ass. And they always play. Like, yeah, sometimes the Knicks get a game because they're New York. But for the most part, the NBA action on Christmas Day is five like good games between five like matchups that you want to see. So I, I like the, the lineup of the sports more. And I certainly am biased because basketball is my favorite sport. But um, I go I go for for Christmas Day uh, NBA action. Boxing Boxing Day soccer is pretty good too. But yeah. this year, but this year Leicester and Man U kick off at six thirty, so it, it's going to be a, a rough Boxing Day morning for me. There you go. Yeah, and you know what else? Obviously, the other thing that I'll pick is like New Year's Day college football. Obviously, another one oh, that yeah. like you that's, gotta go. That's not even up for the, that. That's the best. That's the best. Yeah. Okay. We're not because there's so much going on. It's it's like. It's like if the playoffs were on Christmas Day, basically. It's like right. different. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That one, that one certainly, I think, takes takes the uh, takes the cake. All right, Jan. I hope you enjoyed the fun question because now it is quick fire question times. Turn up the hot seat. <laughs> All right, number one. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. What's more likely, the Steelers winning the Super Bowl or losing their first playoff game? Losing their first playoff game. I, I absolutely think so. I think the Steelers, they'll have to get past Mahomes, and I don't think so. so and I and so in order for me to think they'll get to the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs would have to be upset, and I just don't see that happening right now. So I'm going to say losing their first game. You know, I think there are a lot of good teams in the AFC, and I think they could end up playing some team that beats them. Like, even if they play the Titans, as much as we've talked shit about the Titans, they can lose to the Titans. They can absolutely lose absolutely. to the Titans. So uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Steelers being upset in the first round. Completely agreed with you on that one. All right, next question. This this one probably is the toughest one. Oh gosh. Will Steph, will Steph Curry ever win another NBA championship? Ugh. No, I don't think so. I have, I'm going to leave it there. There's too much going into that conversation. But with what happened to Clay Thompson, I just have I have less and less. I think he's not going to leave Golden State, so he'd have to leave it with live win it with Golden State, and I don't think he will. So no, I agree. I that agree. Hurt. That hurt to I say. Know, that was that's that was the toughest one I came up with. I think for sure, and it's, it, it is. That's one of those ones too, where it's like it's such a like who really freaking knows. But uh, that's why the quick fire questions rule because I'm allowed to ask whatever the hell I want. All right, yes. last one. This one I don't think is that is that you know this one's more fun in my opinion, but. The MVP race, it's down to two guys. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Aaron Rodgers. Who wins? Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. I think Patrick Mahomes, being who he is, I think he just is not going to get as much credit. And I also think he's not going to have to perform as well for his team to win down the stretch, where I think Aaron Rodgers always – like, it doesn't matter if Aaron Jones is throwing well. The reason that Aaron Jones is running well, the reason Aaron Jones is running well is because – Rodgers has been doing so well in the air game that they have to do something and and they let him run free. That's what happened in the game last time. And uh, you know, and even with that, Matthew, I I'll, I'll venture to say that I think Aaron Jones, if I, I mean, Aaron, I, nah, too many Aaron's. Uh, I think 
if Aaron Rodgers was the twenty was the twenty something year old and and Patrick Mahomes was the old guy, that we would be saying Aaron Rodgers was doing better. I think that's what it is. To to be truthfully honest, I think that's what it is. We're more excited about Mahomes because of what he can be, and we're more like looking at Rodgers at what he has been. But I think the way that Rodgers has been playing, I think he gets the MVP, and I think he takes that one seat in the NFC. Yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree with all of your answers on quick fire questions. I, well done. Hey! I, I, I think you're, you're so true. Like too, like there's just the hype train of Patrick Mahomes has been going for like two years. Not that Aaron Rodgers hasn't, but like two years ago he wins the MVP and throws five, fifty touchdowns. Last year he leads him to the first Super Bowl in you know however many years and wins the Super Bowl MVP. So like that's sort of like just the aura and stuff around him is is so much greater. But I think like. All year, everyone was saying Aaron Rodgers needed weapons. Aaron Rodgers needed weapons. They didn't get him any, and he's still killing it. So, like that—that is—that is where I say, and of course, I'm biased in this question. There's, there's not any doubt about it in the world, but that's where I give him the edge just a little bit because Devontae Adams is incredible, and Aaron Jones is incredible, but he doesn't have Tyree Kill. He doesn't have Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman. Like Mahomes has a few more weapons around him, but. If Mahomes ends up winning it, I, it's, I feel like if either of those guys win it, nobody's going to be like, oh, I can't believe they won it. Here's, here's my bonus question. Do you think Russell, because he came in, no, no, no MVP votes ever, and early on, it, I, I certainly was giving him the, the award. Do you think he even gets a vote now? If the Seahawks win the NFC West, yes. Otherwise, no. If he can lead the if he can lead the Seahawks through those last couple games with the Rams with the 49ers and like you know out outdo the Rams and win the NFC West and 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 show that then yeah but he's got so much work to do and with that loss against the Giants where not only the defense played badly but the offense played badly it it's I don't you know there's just more players you know we were talking about uh, Ryan Tannehill at some point too but at some point players fall off and I think Russell fell off now. So sucks for him, but you got to play for him the whole season. Yeah, you, you can't. I mean, we can give as much credit to the New York Giants defense as we want. You, you can't play like that against the team that's four and seven and expect to to win an MVP. So well done on the quick fire questions, Jan. You're you're off the the hook now. Get off the seat, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Please stay safe, wear a mask, stay warm if you're in cold weather. I'm some people are in the south or you know, California. So you're fine. But if you're in cold weather, stay warm. Happy holidays to everybody. Jan, do you got anything to tell our, our people before we depart? Yeah, I got a little bit of a PSA just, I, I, and I'm, and I'm going to hit on it because holidays are coming up and it, it, it's becoming real bad out there again. You should know that like last Thursday and last Friday, the only more deadly days in American history, Antietam, 9-11 and the Galveston hurricane. That's how bad this stuff is. So Please, when we say wear a mask, wear a mask. Like, don't it's not just like a funny thing we say. It's for everyone's safety. I'm not going to tell you how to do your business on the holidays. I think that's kind of everybody has to make their own decisions. But, you know, it's serious out there. Please treat it seriously and have a happy holidays. Cheers, y'all.